I'm Danielle West. Welcome to Intentional Marriages Podcast, where we share vulnerable insights about marriage. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Kelly Hall. What's one piece of advice you would share with someone before getting married? I'm trying to think. There's a couple. I'm like one of those <laughs> 80 year old women that has all of this wisdom to share. I think for me, I, there's this kind of two points to it. I think if I could share, if someone were sitting next to me and about to get married, I would say I think premarital counseling is fantastically important. I, I feel like that's to start in a, a good space and go into it having a kind of clear head about what your expectations are. I think premarital counseling is, we didn't, we didn't do it. I mean, we, we went to a counselor, but it was really for just, you know, to, to break up fights and figure out finances. But I think that's some one thing I wish in hindsight that I had done. I think a second piece of advice that if I could give to a couple that were about to get married would be to learn how to argue well. Because that didn't start to develop for us the understanding that you could even argue and have a good marriage until. And a lot of young married couples don't believe that. Because I hear, you know, friends tell me, well, I'm not happy. And that to them, the, the lack of happiness seems to be the kind of starting point for a downward slide in the relationship. And I didn't really realize until about eight years in that that's that is a normal thing that you navigate in the relationship and it's about it's about how you argue together how you work out times of of unhappiness and how you come together as a couple and i've learned that that takes work but there's a romantic story that tells you right that if you're working something's wrong right right if you're unhappy something's wrong and then i think the the natural reaction is to quickly want to kind of fix it, ignore it, or jump out of it. Or not argue at all. Exactly. Or kind of, you know, choke it down. So that's the thing I would probably say is is one of the most important things, like when you're in it, um, to be able to to argue well and recover. Yeah, because what they say about conflict is not arguing in a relationship represents a lack of interest. People who care about one another tend to argue more regularly. Oh, then I'm super caring. (laughs) (laughs) I'm as caring as they come. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love it. So yeah, and and the the fairy tale is, you know, I, I fell in love and will always be in love. But Andy Stanley says falling in love is easy. Staying in love requires a plan. Yeah. And that that takes away the the fairy tale aspect of it, like a plan. You got to work at this. And and we haven't met a couple yet that doesn't have to work at it. That has come in and has done no work that finds that, wow, these tools are really helpful and they're finding a level of closeness they didn't experience before. So it, it still can be beautiful in working at it and having a plan. It's it's a hard thing to get your head around, and that's why I'm grateful because it's like people, someone can tell you that, someone can kind of give you, say that to you, and it's very different than seeing couples like you and Russ who share their experience of what an argument looks like on the front end and the back end. When you start to see that, like it it makes it feel a little more kind of natural and intrinsic to 
that relation or a relationship um, versus, you know, I guess if someone had told me when I was 23, I would be like, those are just unhappy people. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But when you see, we how, won't be them. Exactly. That's totally what it is. So that's, you know, eight years in, I feel like is when that started. I was like, oh, it's not all, you know, the measure is not perfect happiness. Yeah, and I don't know where I heard this. It could have been Boyd, but I don't I don't want to misquote him. But he said it takes anywhere from three to five years to stop being polite in marriage. Really? So it's interesting you went to eight yeah. and, and came with that epiphany about that. But um, he says, yeah, you start to stop being polite. Huh. Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, they're hard. I, I will say I have to praise Matt because when when we when it gets hard, he will do he will stop in the middle of it. Not always, but he'll say, I love you. And he'll st- he'll even rattle off the things about me that he loves. Wow. And that's, wow. that's pretty amazing. And that's that started in the past two years where I think his conversations and counseling were focused on the things that you love about each other mm-hmm. to kind of help, you know, repair stuff. I'm still not at that point. <laughs> I still can't do that in the middle. Like when I'm fired up, I, that's not going to come out. Right. But it's, I can see him trying to say, you know, this is what's valuable here and remind himself of that in the, you know, the heat of it. That's pretty amazing. It is really amazing. I, I think, think I have too much pride. I do too. That's what it is. Yeah. I'm like, we're not doing that right now. <laughs> I'm like, that's not happening. <laughs> but it, I think it's almost like a, um, he uses it in meditation too. Right. When there's anxiety or anger, he kind of goes through the things that he loves about me and sometimes writes it down or whatnot. And that requires something different than I've been able to develop right now. Yeah. I would say Russ is similar and he, he has modeled well for me. I remember when we first got married, I thought, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm such not a nice person. Like this guy is so nice and so kind and, (laughs) apologetic and I'm like I'm a jerk <laughs> I think sometimes too and and so he he definitely has modeled well for us in our relationship it's amazing how it can lift the whole tone yeah. um because I don't that's not I think in terms of the two of us he tends to kind of lift it and elevate it yeah and it gives me something to look at I mean we have different challenges but he can he leads it in that respect right and I think that that's a, I'm grateful for that right same here. Same here. What are you reading right now? <laughs> I don't know if this has any bearing on it, but I'm reading Pride and Prejudice. Okay. I, re- I reread it all the time. Whenever I get really? a- anxious, it's like a, it's, I go back to it and read it over and over and over again. Mm. I'll even binge watch the BBC series. Uh-huh. It's, it's like my favorite story. So what does it do to bring your anxiety down? It's, it's, there's a comfort in the characters and the writing. It's it's all about these the absurdity of these different characters and the, it kind of swirls around love and marriage. It just kind of takes me to a different place in a different time. And his, uh, his, any kind of historical fiction, yeah, it kind of I feel like just the, it transports me to a place that's not full of of texting and right uh, like computer screens and whatnot. Right, so. Sounds like a good escape. Yeah, I reread it over and over again. Oh, I Just love that. Matt will walk upstairs. Sometimes when I'm like, it's been a really rough day, he'll be like, watching it again? Yeah. <laughs> That's almost like Russ watching Gladiator over. And he is, 
watched it at least a hundred times. That's a good movie too. Yeah, I just I, I can't do things on repeat. So I have things I it wanted. intrigues me that you can do that. I it's just tra- it transports me. I'm gonna have things that I want to read, but there's like especially right now with where we are in our life, there's so much things happening. It's like I just kind of want this little space of like comfort and. Um, any Jane Austen, honestly, anything Jane Austen, right? Just kind of a goofy little, <laughs> little quirk about me, I guess. Well, cool. Mm-hmm. Name a couple who inspires you. Is that in terms of their relationship together? Mm-hmm. That's you guys. It's you and Russ. It's been that way. And this is not me because I'm sitting here talking on your microphone. <laughs> um, watching the two of you in thrive have discussions, talk openly about arguments, talk openly about struggles, openly about the, you know, the way that your families have come together and, and watching the love that exists there on different planes. Like both Matt and I have had that conversation that seeing that is inspiring to our marriage and thinking about what it means to work at it and what it looks like on the other side. So you know, I don't, I don't say that in a void either because both of Matt's family, his parents were divorced and remarried. And then, you know, my mom was divorced and, you know, I didn't grow up having two parents. So, you know, we don't really know a lot of successful marriages that, that are strong and um, we can learn from. So, you know, I watch you guys and, you know, it's, it's inspiring. And I really appreciate you saying that. I think you know, one thing I've learned from Russ is the level of transparency and vulnerability in the last 13 years of counseling have obviously impacted me greatly because I would have always considered myself a very private person. Mm-hmm. And for me to be so fully open at times is just unlike the person I was 20 years ago. But um, I, th- I think you saying that too makes me realize that's even more of a reason because I don't know many couples that have conversations that have that kind of openness where you can kind of understand that, that glue that pulls them together. Um, and you guys so, so be- share it so beautifully, you know? Yeah. And I can't tell you what switched me from being so private to being so open. I have to give the credit to counseling, but I can tell you that the past four years we've done thrive and sitting in front of now it's been, we've led 32 couples, I think. Wow. And watching that when I share my junk, almost to the point where we had a couple say, well, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, check please. <laughs> and, um, but I have found that it, it, people's shoulders drop like, oh, okay, we're, we're not going to be sitting here listening to somebody that's got it all together. It's like, okay, we've messed up. This is how we continue to mess up. And these are the tools that we use to repair. And in watching that, we've had some really deep, rich conversations and friendships that have come out of that vulnerability and transparency. So now it's more contagious for me than being private. And I've, I've learned so much from others in opening up. So, um, it's been pretty powerful. I'm, I don't know if you've heard. Have you heard Brene Brown's? Yeah, that's TED Talk. I, I want to actually read the. That's one of the books I'd like to read. But I oh, love it. I've read Daring Greatly. Love, love, love it. Yeah. 
I and, need to. And I actually, I opened up the snippets of the her um, TED Talk on vulnerability. I haven't watched the whole thing. Vulnerability and shame. Yeah. It's, it's great. But there's a quote. Um, she says, the best marriages are the ones where we can go out in the world and really put ourselves out there. A lot of times we'll fail and sometimes we'll pull it off. But good marriages are when you can go home and know that your vulnerability will be honored as courage and that you'll find support. Wow. Almost kind of moves me to tears. Yeah. And knowing that that's that's who we are for each other. And if we can remember that at the end of the day, like I can I can know when Russ is coming home and you know, early in our marriage he would be anxious about something and and I would just write it off as, you know, he's having a bad day and, you know, it's his his problems. But now I can be so attuned to his anxiousness and know that I understand through so much counseling that I understand where it comes from and I have compassion instead of wanting to move away from him. Mm-hmm. So I can move toward him in compassion. And um that that took a lot of work and understanding yeah. through counseling that I could have never got to on my own. And then to even do that, to know that and then actually take the actions to do it. That's even more, you know. Right. And there's um what I've learned is that there's there's a role that each you know, wife and husband plays in the healing of each other in the healing of our wounds that we've grown up with. So, um, you know, for people that haven't done counseling, that kind of sounds like, you know, voodoo talk, but it is, it's powerful when you experience it. Yeah. Pretty powerful. Are you becoming the wife you'd hope to be? Why or why not? I think this one of that myself, I think I'm becoming a better wife than I thought I could be. Not because because I never thought I could be a wife, I guess. Mm-hmm. I never had that vision. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of, I don't know, I, I pictured myself as being single um, and having a career, I guess, you know, when I thought about that. I did not know that about you because I had the same, same life plan. Did you really? Yes. Huh. I don't know why I even bothered dating, but. Yeah, it's, well, it's like you, you, I grow up you grow up thinking certain things will kind of fall into place and those things will lead you somewhere professionally. Mm. Um, which is, I always kind of felt awkward because of it, because a lot of my friends, you know, knew from right. a, a certain age that they wanted to be, you know, one of my closest friends from uh, first grade always knew she wanted to be a mother and at home with her children. And that wasn't something that I thought about. Right. So I think, learning to be a wife, I would say now I'm probably better than I thought I would be because I never thought I would be a wife. You know, that that, that being said, it's kind of a joke. I have a lot more to grow with. There's a lot, I would like to be a lot better in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, like I said, I just never, I never really thought about it. Just kind of a little bit embarrassing. I think, you know, most people would say they thought about that at some point. Yeah. Well, I can say I consciously thought about it because my dad told me not to buy into marriage. Really? When I was 16. Really? Like, look at us. Like, you don't want this. And I'm thinking, yeah, I don't oh want gosh. what my parents have. Yeah. So he early on was like, take care of yourself. You know, I mean, this sounds crazy. And a lot of people don't know Attila the Hun, but he's like, you know, be like Attila the Hun. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're a warrior. Yeah. Who's going Talk- to- well, now, I mean, be this cold warrior, yeah. right? And that's that's how I got through my corporate life, you know, for 20 years. And I even had, you know, girlfriends say, yeah, you were really cold when, you know, a few years ago when you're in the work world and, wow. you know, and I 
I think marriage and counseling has softened me greatly, but you know, I don't, I don't even remember crying during those years that I was so detached. Oh my gosh. But again, I thought that was the right thing to do. I didn't want to buy into something that obviously doesn't work. (laughs) I didn't have any models of, of good parenting. It was funny when I was dating, I was going to always date somebody clean and somebody clean was not divorced and no kids. Really? So <laughs> deviated from that. So, and I told your mom this. And I remember when I mentioned after about five months, Russ and I were just friends. And I remember going to a dinner one night and I told her, I said, I'm going to marry this guy. She goes, what? What, what guy? The guy that's divorced with two kids. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like, like her. It was, it was completely against everything that I had said that I was going to do. But I can see how God was, you know, he was working all of those details. I, and I've, and I can tell you, honestly, it was a Holy Spirit moment for me in knowing. I felt that even before we started officially dating. Wow. I just knew. But I feel like that was, you know, God gave me that sense of confidence because I again it went against everything I had grown up believing and that's why I got married so late at 38 so it's funny you think you have certain things in line and that is not the point (laughs) clearly talk about a detour yeah (laughs) oh my gosh so far what has been the happiest period of your marriage and what are the reasons you know I think probably the happiest period of our marriage has actually been, um, I would say, because we started counseling about, I think it was like three years ago or something. And we were happy before that. But I think going into that and understanding each other better, it <laughs> we were able to bounce back more quickly into happiness, if that makes sense. So we've managed to kind of find it more easily. So you're recovering. Yeah, I guess it's a way of repairing quicker. And it doesn't, you know, when I think about our whole marriage, it doesn't make as much sense because, because the past few years of, you know, it's been hard, you know, with having kids and, you know, even having some surgeries and whatnot. It's been, there's more life challenges, but there's definitely been a lot of happiness in the way we relate to each other, the way we can talk to each other. Mm. And, you know, he's always been my best friend, but it's like, I, we kind of have learned a lot more about each other and there's a lot more depth to it. Mm. Um, so I think part of understanding each other better is you can find joy differently. If you had asked me five years ago, I probably would have said, you know, the first few years, because that, that feels like that flush of like right. en- endorphins or whatever it is that you get. But then it's this kind of like deep, settled happiness that's kind of set in. There's a richness to it. And there's this gratitude for mm-hmm. the a little bit of the crazy and a little bit of the, I don't know, <laughs> the swirl of things. Or a Saturday morning with all of us, there's a lot of kind of gratitude that's there mm-hmm. in the midst of the chaos. <laughs> uh, so you've probably already answered this question in our previous questions. Can you name the one or two aspects of his life that make warmth in your relationship more difficult um the warmth as far as it, what so let's take this to the on the opposite end what are one or two aspects of his life that make warmth in your relationship more difficult yeah i mean i think 
and if he were sitting here, he would, he would say the same thing too, but we've, we have a lot of struggles on both sides. We both have, you know, personality traits that, you know, can drive wedges between us. But I think for him, he can pull into himself. He can still kind of function with the family, but be just kind of emotionally distant and isolated and really pull in in a way that, that creates a challenge. It's, it's hard to, to penetrate sometimes. I relate to it well. I do yeah. the same thing. <laughs> and it's funny because I, I can pull in in my own way, but he has a different kind of longer, deeper distance when he's feeling, um, when certain things kind of set him off emotionally. Mm-hmm. And it's something we know. And it's something that I can even say to him. I, f- I feel like you're, you're pulling away and it's, it's a disconnect that happens. And it's something that he still kind of tries to figure out why and tries to figure out how to come back. And sometimes it's if he's been traveling for a long time, it's hard for him to even come back and adjust to to our family and how to be around that, or he's drained emotionally. So that's, it's something we're working on, um, trying to figure out how to, uh, you know, part of it is I need to know how much space to give him. Right. um, Right. You know, for him to kind of work out of that. And you just mentioned something that Russ and I struggled with when I was traveling and I had traveled for 20 years and I always felt on guard when I traveled. Hmm. So by the time I would get home, Russ was like, I'm not one of them. I'm not, you know, next to the guy sitting next to you on the plane that was irritating you. I'm not that point. And when we talked to Boyd about it, he says, transitions are hard for anyone at any time. So recognize that re-entry is always going to be difficult. That's a good point. And, and so that took a lot of tension off of us, just knowing that there's this period of, of re-entry and adjustment yeah. again. Because I thought, how odd is that? Why do you even need to worry about re-entry and adjustment when you're coming home to your spouse that you love? You know, why is it difficult? And so I, I thought it was interesting when he said transitions are hard in general for people. It's a really good point. Because Matt, then you Matt is not a transition. Transitions are always more challenging for him. I'd never connected those two. Yeah. And so it takes the tension off and it gives, it it gave me more freedom to just be when I got home instead of him wanting to immediately feel connected. Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't available to, to do that initially. And so it took a lot of pressure off of us once we realized that. That's a, that's a really good point. I hadn't really thought of it that way. I think because yeah. I just kind of bumped from one thing to the next thing, and I'm right. like, here we are. <laughs> We're in this now. So he's very different than that. I, so maybe I'll have to think of that when he comes comes home from this trip that he's on right now. Yeah, and I, I want to say that's the only time I always felt transitions were hard for me was after I traveled and came home. If I had been traveling by myself and I came home. But like you, I can bump from one thing to the next. But I don't, I don't know what that is. Yeah, like I can transition better with Russ, who's been gone and comes back in. At least from my perspective, he may not agree. <laughs> but um, it's when I'm gone and come back in. That's a good point. I, I have to keep that in mind because I haven't really connected it. But it's that is it always happens. It's kind of our pattern. Yeah. So yeah, interesting. Tune in next week for part three of my interview with Kelly Hall. Want some more insight on how to strengthen your marriage? You can find new blogs posted every week and a new live monthly webinar. Just go to intentionalmarriages.net. That's intentionalmarriages with an S dot net.
N-E-T. Thank you and stay intentional.